What's going on? It's the Film Drunk Broadcast. We're back again for a new episode. We're going to butt chug some Tide Pods. We might play the knockout game. Um, first, let me introduce everybody I got with me. Uh, coming back from LA in the studio, we got Studio Matt Lieb. Hey, I'm back. And I'm happy to be here. That last episode was fun. Yeah. I should mostly do L.A. car, Matt. <laughs> me on the road is much more entertaining than me here in the studio. It has, they both have their place. Uh, Mr. Joey Avery is back in the front studio. I am exhilarated to be here, Vince. Have you missed me? I definitely have. Let's make out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Escalated quickly. And uh, joining us via Skype... From Chapo, Mr. Matt, Matt Chrisman. Hi, everybody. <clears throat> Happy to be here. You sound almost as good as Matt Lieb. Are you getting over like a cold? No, I, I don't know why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have called that out, should I? Yeah, no, it's oh, good to I, point. I, I can understand that that's the first words I said, and you're like, oh, dear. <laughs> he just died on our well, podcast. Off to a bad start is what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, Kush Bomb on Twitter. Did you guys all like pick? It seems like you guys uh, all picked like a, a cool Twitter name around the same time. Was there like a Chapo house style guide that you guys all followed? No, no, no. It, it's all pretty random. Um, that's actually just a. Uh, it actually doesn't have anything to do with drugs, which people are surprised to hear. What? What does Kush Bomb mean if not a uh, sweet fucking dank Kush? Uh, well, it's just a very boring uh, a college uh, nickname I had because my name is Chrisman, but there was a girl who met me and thought my name was Cushman. Ah. So all my <laughs> friends just started calling me Cush and then something else to modify it, like Cush Sack. Yeah. <laughs> and Cush Bomb, I thought was the nicest one, so that's what I used. Classic uh, nickname origin story. Yeah, it's ironic because I'm actually straight edge. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. That's... That is ironic. That's a, no, I'm ironic. I'm you don't even blow those trees? No, I'm blazing right now. Hell yeah. Where was this college experience? Uh, it's a small liberal arts school in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. I didn't even know they had those. They do, and they're terrible. Okay. <laughs> how, how, why, why so terrible? It's just it's it's nowhere anyone ends up with any kind of purpose to be there. They all just sort of it's sort of like the way that people end up the the way that all that garbage ends up in the same spot in the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the, the plastic sort of mountain. Drift off and find themselves there. So yeah. you're in the Midwest liberal arts patch. Yeah, yeah. Are exactly. you from Are you from Wisconsin? Or were you just like watching Animal House one day and you're like, you know where I gotta go? <laughs> A small <laughs> no. college in Wisconsin. No, I'm from Wisconsin originally, yeah. Are you from uh, Steve, Stephen Avery from Making a Murder, Murderer's I County? I am. I'm from Making a Murderer Town. <laughs> so did you... Since that show came out, has made that question a lot easier to answer instead of having to be, it's a small town. It's like an hour north of Milwaukee. It's like, just say, Making a Murderville. That's it, where I'm from. Were you just out there like throwing cats in fires with Stephen Avery? Yeah, totally. Fuck yeah. Uh, no, he was from the wrong side of the tracks. Uh, but I, I didn't. I didn't know him growing up or the family. I did get that from the show. Yeah. 
Is that what they- I think the police planted him on the wrong side of the tracks, <laughs> but that's my personal opinion about it. I, that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do up there? Like you got one one guy in the town you don't like, you just c- continually frame him for rapes and murders. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an epic prank. Uh, it's a big senior prank at high school. <laughs> at, at Lincoln High School. You, you pick an underclassman and you frame them for rape and murder. It's so to kill it's a like- mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting swatted forever. <laughs> That's <laughs> God damn it! Not a fucking game. Oh, a lot of people got to die for it to be just a prank, bro. But yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, just a prank, man. <laughs> uh, that's dope. Yeah, and this then- is great. This is like a merging of of uh, of podcasts uh, listeners because we have a we have a very well. Listen, yeah. listen. Yeah. Uh-huh. We have a very uh, considerably smaller circle <laughs> of podcast listeners, but there's mm. a Venn diagram where I believe. Well, it's not really a Venn. Di- it's the entire circle probably also <laughs> listens to Chapo. It's more like Pac Man. Yeah, it's more yeah. like Pac Man. <laughs> you guys just swallowed our circle for now, but that's beautiful. That's nice. There's people here. It's like a it's like a dream team. <laughs> all right, you know, fuck all y'all. I'm trying to be positive about. We rarely yeah. we ra- rarely have other podcasters as guests. It's usually yeah. some bullshit blogger that Vince knows. Ah, oh, I'm a blogger. I have, I have internet things to say. <laughs> and it's like shut up. So does everyone. Yeah, they just think piecing out loud. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, no, I, this is like podcast Avengers right here. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a real Infinity War. Exactly. Yeah. So this podcast will just be a two-hour montage of us all gearing up. That's a, That's what all the superhero movies are. Uh-huh. Now you just like it's like people putting on their stuff, polishing their yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Their bat left. And I'm yeah. super into that. Even before sports games, my favorite part is just the pregame film. Yeah, where everyone's yeah, in yeah. the locker room getting hype, and the- then the game starts. And I'm like, this <laughs> is not this. nearly as interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's no background music. Yeah, yeah. there's no fire. The, yeah, you know exactly. when they're doing a starting lineup at a fucking game, all of a sudden fire comes out the side of the Staples Center, and you're yeah. like, Ugh. someone jumps through a piece pageantry. of paper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm about halftime shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm about. Yeah, that's the one thing that was that nobody gave Suicide Squad credit for was that it was almost just like a uh, a, a compilation of the. It was basically like their playing card scene. It was like this guy. Was, you know how every a- action movie has a scene set in like a boardroom where a guy's reading the hero's resume. Uh huh. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, he got kicked out of the army for punching out his commanding officer mm-hmm. and it was just the first 40 minutes of suicide squad was just a bunch of those strung together yeah and i was like man if you just make the whole movie that that's kind of what everybody wants to see yeah. anyway yeah i just want to see someone reading a bunch of resumes and just <laughs> yeah. saying all the badass things they did yeah and then i want the movie to end and you know what i want my money back and that's <laughs> true of every superhero film yeah I don't actually watch movies. I don't know why we do a film <laughs> podcast. I did watch Boss Baby, though. Bless you. Yeah. Why did we choose Boss Baby? <laughs> I just heard him talk about Boss Baby. I was like, hey, why not? Oh, and then... Yeah. That was, it's, it's, it's a very puzzling film. It's I, I, insane. And I didn't... At first, you know, I thought we had deci- I decided on the post. And I was like, hey, at least I'll see a, a, a Spielberg movie. And <laughs> And then you hand down on high boss baby. And I had to, oh my God. (laughs) That's okay. That was hard to watch. I mean, I think we finally solved the question of whether you should ironically watch meme movies. Yeah. And whether they will turn out good. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. I thought we knew that. Yeah. I thought that's what we learned that that from Snakes on a Plane. 
Was that a meme movie? Yeah, Boss Baby was kind of a. Uh, it was yeah, kind of Boss a punchline. Baby definitely a meme movie in the tradition of Snakes on a Plane, and now Orc Cop being the last example. But yeah, totally. <laughs> I was watching it, and there's so many like good people in it that at, as I'm watching the in movie, Boss like, Baby. Well, I mean, like you know, like the, an animated movie is the easiest paycheck that an actor yeah, will that's, ever make. That's like fair they can enough. come in, but I was like, do they read the script at all, or were they just like, yeah, fuck it, what do you pay me? Hell no, would you read? I, yeah, the they script? don't read the script. I would read the script. Oh, because I would. Yeah, if I'm Alec <laughs> okay. Baldwin, I okay. care about my career. Okay, <laughs> I'm already on thin ice right now. Did he? Did he sexually assault someone? I don't know. I just probably. Thought, Are we on? At this point, I'm going to say everyone probably did. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's, he's definitely bracing for it because there was a story where he was saying, "Hey, everybody, let's not go crazy now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's remember all the good guys out there." Allen, people need to give him a break. Yeah. I love it when they're like, "Can we first, before we start a conversation about stopping sexual harassment, start a conversation about degrees of sexual harassment?" Because uh, uh, I think I fall in the uh, not a, quite, say, but not quite right. Let's say you have a friend named Ted. Yeah. And <laughs> He's got a starlet coming back. With yeah. Theoretically speaking, yeah, but it's uh, like everyone's, uh, you know, the the argument for that is like, okay, well, everybody's maybe Aziz'd a little bit, okay, right, but, right, right. But I haven't that's Weinstein'd. why, yeah, when the Aziz article came out, everyone was just like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And, it, and you to know, be fair, to be fair, I'm kind of like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Listen, if you can consensually put your fingers in someone's mouth. I wanted to point that out. Well, this has been <laughs> the Film Drug Podcast. Can I? I at, Are we going there? I mean, no. I, let's I, talk I, about I, Boss I, Baby okay, first. Okay, I mean, sure. we started I mean, on I, Boss I, Baby. I figured we'd have to eventually talk about Aziz, but yeah. Know, but since when I thought we were going to do Boss Baby? As yeah, it? let's we'll talk about. Boss so it Baby. had Alec Baldwin. It had Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. It had <laughs> Toby Maguire. Lisa Kudrow. It had Lisa Kudrow. Of Friends fame. Yeah. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi in it. Who did he play? He played the bad guy. Ah, the yes. boss baby all grown up. So why did we need Toby Maguire? Boss baby all grown up. I didn't think we were going to be talking about Donald Trump. Oh, oh my God. Oh, he just... Dude, oh, sick political that's burns. a hot pot of cafe right there. I don't there. like to get political, but, you know, sometimes... <laughs> sometimes you just got to go there, you know, yeah. bash the fash. <laughs> um. So, like, I didn't expect it. I mean, I should have expected it to be as lazy and pointless as it was. But uh, I was still surprised by how lazy and pointless it was. It was kind of like when you just, um, when, when you write a really, a series of banal things, but then you, like, tr- turn them into, like, everything's just, like, a fantastical yeah. uh, riff on something that's really boring. So, it's all, it's all just, like, a lot of craft heaped on absolutely nothing. That was too many words to describe how bad the movie was. I actually couldn't follow you there. You're saying that it was mostly action scenes? Well, it was like, you know, all right. So the kid is jealous of the baby and his family. Yeah. And totally. it's like, oh, see, the baby's the boss now. And then away we go. Yeah, they did take uh, what was ostensibly a good metaphor. Like, hey, babies are bosses, kind of, yeah. if you think about it. And then add a backstory that was completely unnecessary, which included that the baby at some point disappears and the mother loses a child and we're just supposed to pretend (laughs) like she's not going to notice that's to me what is so amazing about boss baby and worth talking about is that (laughs) yes it is super lazy and phoned in but 
while making this super lazy and phoned in movie, they had to, because of the premise they'd chosen, create this completely insane world. Yeah. That like upends your entire cosmos. It's like, hey kids, you know all that crap your parents tell you about God and heaven and 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 shit like that. Nope, uh, the 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 universe is a giant factory <laughs> that spits out babies I that can... are then like tested for a soul. <laughs> Some of them and are. If they don't have a soul. They stay behind in the hell baby factory. And, <laughs> Babies for eternity, and, working in a fucking corporate structure, and, and presumably it's like, okay, so these are babies, and they all wear suits and go to work in this office. Does that mean that after they're finished there, they go home? Do they all live in houses? Are there these babies like full of baby executive, baby bedroom community? No, I, and no. Are there people who work? In like the restaurants they go to or the grocery store. <laughs> Are there baby mailmen who give the mail to the baby workers in the boss baby factory? I love that. I, I think they were positing a sort of bo- uh, baby Google where you never actually have to go home. Mm. It's like the ultimate uh, corporate dream where you just stay at your job and they feed you. And then they, uh, and then you don't have a family like your work. Your coworkers are your family. You get like your coworker clout score, well, I and like then to you think... sleep on premises. But then that does <laughs> beg the question of like who works at the boss baby cafeteria, and then where do they go? You're assuming that they eat, which I think is ridiculous. At this point, they've made it clear it's that formula. The, the elevator pitch for this movie was what if heaven was a sweatshop <laughs> complete with babies, just babies. Uh, actually, he does eat because at one point he gives money to his brother and orders a sushi roll. That's a good uh, point. Spicy tuna. Sushi I could kill for a spicy tuna That's roll. a good point. So how do they, do, you, do they have uh, little baby sushi chefs in heaven or do they cook? Yes, who knows? How did he get there from a taxi and how long question. does a baby how sushi chef have to apprentice and then why did, as you say why did his family forget that they had a child yeah well they had uh you know a bunch of uh babies it was men in black suits. rules babies yeah men wand. in black rules yeah but the thing is is men in black rules would have to apply to literally everything that happened and that includes uh the the visit to the doctor where they're like oh you know you're pregnant and then like the months of of a baby gestating inside mm-hmm. of a uterus like she's gonna notice something's wrong and and you know her vagina by it's the way is going to be wrecked. They She's going to wake up vagina. one morning and be like, "There are stretch marks, and I've got the flappiest vagina." <laughs> and not that that's necessarily what happens every time, but she looked like an older mother. Let's okay. be honest. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I'm just, oh, I mean, it was she just, did have a kid that was seven, so yeah. yeah. They yeah. showed her. They show her in an early scene before the baby shows up with a pregnant stomach. Yeah, right. Pregnancy belly. So that means. That she's like, yeah, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. But then one day she wakes up and her stomach is gone and the baby shows up at the front door in a suit. Right. <laughs> How does she process that information? Oh, well, I don't see the thing is, men in black this, magic. This too, movie man. could have made sense because they set it up that the kid has this overactive imagination. And when he's playing in the yard, he's actually in the jungle. And it's like, exactly so for the first half of the movie. I'm like, OK, where's this metaphor going? Oh, I can kind of see. Yeah, yeah. And then they just go. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck None metaphors. Is gonna Kids make don't sense. care about metaphors. And also let's root like Toy Story when I was a kid. fucked me up because I was like, oh, maybe my toys are going to play. Yeah, now there's going to be seven year olds going home looking at their baby like, what's this bullshit <laughs> factory shit? In? in my house yeah it's 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 very strange i don't actually remember why did he need to go down there he needed to go down there to uh infiltrate the fight the puppies the puppies puppy factory because this movie posits that 
humans only reproduce because they specifically want to have a kid. Because they're cute. Yes, because right. they're cute. That's why people 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 have children <laughs> because they're cute. And wanting to have a child is what makes the babies show up in the cabs, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that makes I mean that makes some sense. I mean, most of us want to have a child because it's adorable. We like yeah. cute babies. Most no, of us I would love if if I, we could just skip the baby part. Yeah, and have like a three-year-old. Like I'd be super into you that. You could just adopt an eighteen-year-old with his own apartment. <laughs> you know, that's like, it's like I've, 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 it's I'm not a father, but I have seen enough people interact with children. I've interacted with children to know that it's got to be a big. A big, a big uh, 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 advantage. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's it's a it's a a recompense for the trauma and pain of of being a parent in those early early days when they're just screaming and shitting mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, and, and that's got to be tough. And it seems to me that thing that makes up for it is just how amazingly adorable your baby is, and that that's like the the thing that makes it okay that you're spending all this time. Cleaning up their shit. And yeah, but oh, you, that's you an actual old... that's an actual evolutionary right. uh, like babies and small animals are cute so that the parents don't murder them when right. they're being a big pain in the ass. It's like an abusive relationship. People, <laughs> like people get a hot, over shitty person. Well, yeah, people yeah. get over the cuteness super fast. So I feel like this movie was written by an uncle who rarely yeah. sees his child. <laughs> he rarely <laughs> sees his nephew. That's the reason I wonder how tough it must be. If you have like one of those legitimately ugly babies, oh yeah, I've seen them. Like then you're not only <laughs> doing all this; you're doing it for a kid who is, is just butt ugly. That's why every time uh, like a mother or father does infanticide, I kind of am like, well, what are, what was the baby wearing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes this is an ugly ass baby. Sometimes yeah. I get it. You know, you just yeah. want to drown. Yeah, it. you just want to pull co- ripcord. Just want to drown a little bit. Anyways, well, this has been the film drunk project. Yeah. Uh, my question: Why? Why is Toby McGuire in this at all? Money. No, but the, no, but I mean, like the Money. kid. The kid shows up, and by the way, the kid. Like they they've somehow uh, made like a obnoxious child actor haircut like out of CGI. Yeah, like, yeah I just yeah. assumed that. The obnoxious child actor haircut came with the obnoxious child actor. Like it wasn't something that they put. Oh, they saw uh, like the kid already had an obnoxious. But they're haircut like, no, there. he's got to have too much hair. Like every child actor, and it's got to be like swoopy. It's got to be like yeah, the yeah. Logan Paul like swooping off to the side for right. no reason. Thing the Justin Bieber yeah. thick head of hair. Yeah, yeah. But then, um, so then, like the whole intro part is narrated by Tobey Maguire. And then the kid talks, and it's not Tobey Maguire's voice anymore. Yeah. So, like, who is this, like, future? Is it, like, a stand-by-me rules? Is he narrating from the future? Yes. That's the the scene at the end shows them mm-hmm. grown up. Yeah, they're grown up. Oh, I miss, yeah. see, I didn't watch the last five minutes. I Although, like, well, this can't go anywhere good. Oh, wow. You didn't finish the movie. I got you should the be weird Bukaki scene. Oh, the Bukaki scene was weird. There was a few things in this movie that were just so d- disturbing that I, I uh, you know, because sometimes you watch these like kids movies, Pixar and whatnot. There's jokes for adults. I, thought, I feel or, like all of the jokes were for adults in there. I felt like the target audience was people who did not want to see this movie and were like, what if the baby just had like cum all over his face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they did that. It, 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 there was no real clever jokes for adults. It was like... Baby Bukaki. No, it was like, a, well, the whole thing was just like this nothing premise, and then they would just keep uh, ladling more weird references on it. Like, what if we had an extended uh, Lord of the Rings bit? And hey, you know what kids like? Elvis jokes. Yeah. 
Man. Everything was a I mean everything was a reference. Yeah. I hated when Alec Baldwin referenced his own movie and he's like cookies are for closers. And I'm like that How could you not read that and be like this this one I'm not going to do. This movie was made for that line. Yeah. That's the only reason they <laughs> made the, the movie. That's, that's why he, he got cast. Yeah, they started with what if a baby said cookies are for closers and they were like, okay, how do we make a movie out of that? It, well, it, that that had kind of been that Rubicon was crossed back when Robert De Niro was in the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie yes. as the fearless leader, mm-hmm. and he said, are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. Mm. That was really the point where, like, oh, shame is not a thing anymore when it comes to this. <laughs> oh, well, there was, I mean, there's a few instances of this. There's a, there's a big by Felicia scene in Straight Outta Compton, which sort of posits the origin of... Uh, by Felicia from Friday as something that happened. But that was relatively... On, the, on Straight Outta Compton Tour. Then... That was uh, relatively believable, I thought. Okay, so then there's also Ocean's 12, where one of the plot points is that Julia Roberts' character looks like Julia Roberts, which mm. is how they break in to a place. Yeah, uh, that's right. There was also uh, oh my God. Uh, The Freshman with uh, with Matthew Broderick, mm. where... Um, where he does a hit and run and murders well, someone. Well, it turns out Marlon Brando... <laughs> In the freshman looks like Marlon Brando from The Godfather. Right. That's a plot point. Yeah, but did anyone get like what I just did? Though? What'd you say? Because Marlon He's Brando, he killed someone in a car. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very fam- uh, famous murderer. Oh, I he he doesn't that. like when people bring it took that up. Me a long time to find out about that, though. I didn't know this is. He's my got a first. good. He's got a good publicist. He yeah, Ted Kennedy kept did. that murder way under wraps. Yeah, his publicist was like, okay, the way we can get past this is if you don't have a career for a few decades, <laughs> and then we'll bring you ba- back. Well, didn't with, his son murder someone too? Really? I didn't know that. Didn't Ooh. his son kill? Like, all right, I gotta, I gotta look this up now. <laughs> it's a family his business. Son, uh, <laughs> his son killed someone, didn't he? I, I don't know. You know what? That's the kind of thing that I'm comfortable just saying in public, definitely. <laughs> oh, you're looking don't up... Don't really have any confirmation, but sounds like something he'd do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're, you're thinking of Marlon Brando's son. Yeah. I'm talking about Matthew Broderick. Yeah, oh, sorry. Matthew sorry. Broderick. Oh, yeah. Matthew Broderick yeah, Chris, killed someone? Yeah, Matthew Broderick killed someone uh, with his car. Did Marlon yes. Brando not? And Marlon Brando's son murdered his girlfriend's or his, his sister's boyfriend. Yes. Wow. Oh. Well, why, yeah. though? What was I he think wearing? It was actually kind of a Godfather situation where he was beating her up. Oh, yeah. And he shit. did the Sonny Corleone thing only with a gun. Oh, oh. that changes the tone. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the script notes in the Godfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, this like, changes uh, the tone. <laughs> uh, Mr. Coppola, Damn. Uh, we just think that uh, the Sonny s- character would be so much light more likable <laughs> if he only pistol whipped the guy. Uh, uh, d- uh, what happened? Did he? Is he still in jail for that? Um, he's dead. Oh, he died? Yeah. What After if- he got out of jail. Oh, he yeah. died. At, he got out of jail having murdered he, someone. He got. They got him on. I think it was a manslaughter or something. He didn't do that much time. Uh, yeah, got. I got manslaughter. I'm trying to see where he, how much time he did. But then, um, so his wow. sister that whose husband he killed also committed suicide. Oh, Jesus um, Christ! Wait, Marlon Brando's both two of his kids are dead. Oh, and also he apparently he dated Bonnie Lee Bakley, the girl that Robert Blake killed. Jesus! Oh shit! Yeah. Fucking holy shit! So Hollywood are you is saying just that success doesn't of, fix everything? Dumb and villainy, dude. This is like PizzaGate, but oh, with he died murder. of pneumonia. Whatever. Oh. At forty nine. Oh, that's boring. But that's what they say, <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah, you know, yeah. got a weak spirit. Star Wars. You got to see why. You know. Yeah. Fuck. 
Um, so it was interesting to hear uh, Toby Maguire's voice in this. Was because, it? Well, for me, because so I watched Molly's Game, right? I don't and know. That's about uh, that was the uh, the Aaron Sorkin movie about. The, oh God, the Jessica celebrity. Chastain and yeah, Ugh. basically the nexus of smug. It was like Aaron Sorkin plus Jessica Chastain plus this book that this girl Molly Bloom wrote about. She used to run a poker game for all these. Uh, famous people, yeah, and the but the best part was that one of them was Tobey Maguire. Yep, and so Tobey Maguire apparently is like a fucking sociopath. He was really? like basically the mm-hmm. villain of the book. I read this entire book just so I could uh, understand uh, exactly how smug the movie was by comparison. But like, so Tobey Maguire was one of the players at this high stakes poker game with like a fifty thousand dollar buy in in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That was all these like rich heirs. And like rich kids and 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 act, actors, and apparently Tobey Maguire was like a really good player, but he's also like a terrible sore loser. Mm. And at one point, he was like, "All right, well, th- we have to use the Shuffle Master, which is like this machine that shuffles cards sure. to give you like a perfect shuffle." Like he was always winning, but he's he demanded that they use a Shuffle Master. And then, like on the third week that they were supposed to play, he demanded that she rent the Shuffle Master from him so that he was paying him to use the shuffle master that only he wanted to use in the first place oh my god and then like at one point he um he made the the girl bark like a seal for a tip he was like trying to get her to bark like a seal what the fuck and then and then finally he took the game away from her he like cut her out of the poker game was this hold on though but was this was this post uh spider-man 3 I think this was pre. It was like early aughts. Really? This, this yeah. is wow. Before the, you mean before the Venom like Rex's yeah, like and maybe him into he was doing, Yeah, he could have been doing a fucking method acting thing, <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, which <laughs> sure. is an art that we have to respect. Like, what if you pretended to be the person you're playing forever? You know, mm-hmm. that's art. You mean like Jim Carrey? Like Jim Carrey, just like you get into the character so <laughs> that much. That was so sad to see. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> hey, I kind of like that guy. <laughs> Oh, just now he man, seems that movie weird. was fascinating to see this the the depths that he was willing to go to just I'm gonna break my soul and alienate everyone in my life to make what is objectively a mediocre right. forgettable movie. <laughs> no, that's the best part of watching that. Milos Forman's most forgotten movie. Yeah. And his yeah. whole his whole thing is like, but really I think what people realized is the movie was going on behind the camera. Yeah, that's where the good movie was happening. It's like, no. no. Meanwhile, the, all the people who, well, not all, but some of the people who worked with him are like, yeah, so that's really not how Andy treated me. But uh, supposedly when Andy's channeled through Jim Carrey, he's a dick to me. <laughs> the best part is he's like crying on the shoulder of Andy Kaufman's parents. And he's like not even doing that good of an impression. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andy's dad's like, all right, man. I I think you're hamming it up a little too much. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah everyone's a critic. Yeah. <laughs> Even Andy Kaufman's parents were like, nah, it's a little bit much. And he's like, see, Dad, you never respect me. <laughs> I love that he he's like, well, it wasn't really me doing the movie. It was Andy Kaufman. And it's like, yeah, but you were the one who was butthurt when you didn't get nominated. So let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> <It was laughs> Andy Kaufman, who came to him in the form of a dolphin when he was staring at the sea. Oh, my God. That's correct. Yeah. So I fucking love art, dude. Um, so <laughs> Carrie's actually a pretty dope artist, though, like painter. I do like his... What? Really? I, yeah. I like his paintings. Like better than George W. Bush? 
George, yeah, yeah, better than George definitely. W. Bush. A little bit, a little bit worse than Hitler, but <laughs> George, <laughs> only Gacy. He didn't have the same drive. How does he rank from Gacy to George W. Bush? I think he's between uh, Hitler, like a little bit worse than Hitler, a little bit better than Gacy. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, George W. Bush, though. I mean, some of those paintings are so adorably bad that, like. You start to forget that he's responsible for the deaths of millions of Iraqis. <laughs> like some of you're like, look, oh, they're cross-eyed. Yeah, one dog's going this way, the other dog goes that way. <laughs> I love his his fucking portrait of his own father. <laughs> it's so, it's a, I drew Daddy, Jeff. I drew Daddy. <laughs> so sad. Uh, I thought he did very well. Yeah, <laughs> he got a goal. They were very, very nice paintings. Yeah. Sometimes, he, sometimes he calls the art teacher mother. <laughs> I think he just took the same approach to painting as he did to war, where he's like, look, I'm going to do this with a loving intent, but I'm not really going to finish it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, when we get political, <laughs> I'm telling you, this oh, podcast about, becomes hot fire. How about these clowns in Congress? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... It was injury. Anyway, it was interesting to find out that uh, adorable little Toby Maguire is like this. Uh, it was like this sociopath. sociopath who was apparently making um, a few million dollars a year off of poker from other actors and really? people that were playing in this game. So anyway, after I wrote this uh, review, someone sent me an email about it and about some of like some of the people that were playing it was like Todd Phillips from The Hangover and mm-hmm. like Ben Affleck was playing and Toby Maguire and then a bunch of these like uh, a bunch of heirs and then people that. Um, eventually got uh, busted for mini Ponzi games and other mm-hmm. sort of financial crimes. Um, anyway, here's the email. Hey, I was reading your review of Molly's game, and you mentioned Rick Solomon. Uh, that's the sex tape guy with uh, Paris Hilton. Uh, and I thought you might get a kick out of some old Rick Solomon stories. I have and I have and might enjoy sharing them. From 1999 to 2001, I worked as an assistant for two producers in film division of a music video production company. Rick was the owner's bookie, only he never went by Rick. His name, self-applied, was Scum. Everybody called him Scum. Please know as I share these stories that I actually have quite a bit of affection for Scum, especially compared to many of the other people I worked with in the music video world. He was never a dick to me, a lowly assistant unlike many, uh, and was always friendly and in a good mood. I met Scum when he was recently divorced from his wife, E.G. Daly. You might know her as Pee-wee's love interest or a voice of one of the Rugrats. They had kids. She had a lot of money. Scum, hang, Scum hung out at our office all of the time. Even though he was a bookie, he wanted to be a producer. He did end up helping to finance movies, but that's a more boring story. Uh, Scum wore ski hats 24-7, 365. <laughs> <laughs> I, believe cool. he started, I believe he started that trend. Scum dated, started dating Paris Hilton while I was working there. Paris came to the office often. This was before she was famous. We watched MTV together. She was 18. Scum hung, scum hung out with every rich asshole heir in L.A. and also Toby, Leo, Lucas Haas, Kevin Connolly, etc. I remember oh, Balthazar- pussy posse, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck yeah. I remember Balthazar Getty being nice. Here are two of my favorite scum stories. One day, scum came barreling to my desk, desk and asked loudly, "Yo, Scott, do you smoke pot?" <laughs> Me. Sometimes. Why? I thought he was asking if I wanted to smoke pot then and there. It was not entirely unsurprising. Scum. When's the last time you smoked pot? Me. A few months ago. Why? Scum. Yo, pee in this. He put an empty water bottle. (laughs) Uh, Wonderful. He put an empty water bottle on my desk. Me. I'm not peeing in that. He slammed a $100 bill on my desk. Scum. $100 to pee in that bottle. Me. No. He slammed a second C note. 
Scum. Two hundy. I peed in the cup. Bought drinks for my friends that night. Turns out the urine was for Justin Murdoch. Not one of those Murdochs. An heir to the dull pineapple fortune. Justin was a real fucking asshole. Not sure I would have peed knowing that. Story two. We made two shitty movies while I worked there. One is a movie we produced with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Chris Moore. It is called The Third Wheel, starring Luke Wilson and Denise Richards. Matt and Ben have cameos. It is terrible. It is most likely the least watched movie Ben and Matt have ever been a part of. We were at a party for the movie. Denise Richards was there. This was 2000. She was very attractive. She was also very nice. Scum came up to me and nudged me on the arm, then pointed at her and whispered, She's got a stinky hole. <laughs> Come on. <Huh? laughs> yeah, yeah. Bayo fucked her. Told me she got a skin stinky hole. <laughs> Scum really living up to his name. <laughs> he began to cackle and punch his fist into his hand, as was his way, and proceeded to tell me about all of the women, women Scott Bayo used to fuck. Anyway, I hope you get a kick out of some of that. Jesus. And so this is the same guy who uh, did the sex video with uh, uh, Paris Hilton? Yeah. Oh, all right. And the and the ex Mister Pam Anderson. Oh yeah, that's right. Not Tommy. Wait, he actually married her. He married her. Oh man, huh? Reader, he married her. <laughs> wait, wait. The ex Mrs. Pam Anderson. Ex Mister Mister Pam Anderson. Yeah. So he or married. Pam. He had Jesus Christ sex with <laughs> Mister Pam Anderson. He yeah. married Pam Anderson. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he is. Got it. All right. All right. I'm a little slow on the update. Eventually, we it was got fun it. watching you process that. Yeah, we got there. I we, had a stroke, but it was worth it. Do we think he actually invented ski hats as a look? I mean, I could see. I mean, wearing them all the He's time. Wearing one like in the sex tape, isn't he? At some point, <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I don't remember. Think, try to I look think that he, up. Not when he's having sex, but I think there's like an introductory mark part. Or he's like, yeah, this is when me and Paris were together. It was pretty dope. Check it out. He's wearing the hat. Oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't think I ever watched the beginning part. I have actually Not never. I, part. I've never seen the actual sex tape. I think I've seen uh, the the like on the news the non sex clips of of the the green. Chances are phone. Chances are phone. That's the part I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it hot? It's all right. I mean, I used to, man. Remember when celebrity sex tapes were like, if you could get your hands on, oh, those were the best. <laughs> and then, and then Dustin fucking Diamond did it, ruined it for everyone. Because oh, all of a sudden God. you're like, gross. Yeah. Now anyone can do it. <laughs> they just thought it was hot people before. <laughs> did he ever get his house? I remember he was going to lose his house. I never followed up. On I hope that. he lost his house. Ah. Why? What's wrong with him? He like made a vid- dirty Sanchez video. That's gross. He made I a feel- dirty Sanchez video. I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, that was that was in the sex tape that oh. he made. Was he did a dirty Sanchez, which is like you're not actually supposed to do that. You're just supposed to joke about Talk that about with your it. middle school friend. Yeah, <laughs> like that gets the guy who takes the joke too seriously. He's like, yeah, oh, you want to see a rusty trombone? Uh, no. Like, no, no, never did it's I. A hypothetical. Yeah, it's supposed to. We're just inventing funny names for things that don't happen. That's <laughs> gross. I feel bad for Dustin Diamond. He was unwittingly uh, a part of the America's favorite uh, anti-Semitic caricature. Oh. I, I I personally believe. Is that he your Apu? 
Yes, he is my. There, we have a problem. There's a problem with Screech, and it's that he was he was totally the Jew of the group. That's what they did. Um, excuse, I have some notes. This character named Glavin. Maybe we could give him a different name. Because like, look at Zach Morris. He's clearly the Aryan god of the show. Mm-hmm, you know, he's mm-hmm. fucking cool. He, all the girls want to bang him. He can stop time, just like you know Aryans yeah. are want mm-hmm. to do. And meanwhile, like Screech is being pushed in lockers. He's like not cool, but he's hella smart, you know? Yeah. Was he smart? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, he was smart. Know. Screech was smart. He was supposed yeah. to. I mean, he was the dork, but I never really got the impression that he was also smart. Not he, he was no Urkel, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Another anti-Semitic caricature, but we'll get into <laughs> that later. Uh, well, they t- it turned out that Zach was was smart on the SAT ep- episode. I don't know if you remember that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He got a fifteen oh two on was Zach he, Moore, but which he was, was in- interesting because SATs don't have single numbers like that. Oh, they don't. No. Oh, look at you, Mister. Um, actually, oh, that's uh, <laughs> when I got my score. Oh, uh, that's impossible. So, wow. But, no, but yeah, it turned out Zach was smart, which caused Jesse Spanos to get real upset because she'd been studying hard. Yeah, and doing time. all that meth. Yeah, that's right. dude. She got addicted to speed. That was the fucking best, dude. Yeah. Oh God. And then she did Showgirls. <sighs> I remember getting my hands on that when I was God. I was probably in like third or fourth grade. My neighbors like I got an NC seventeen film. Yeah, yeah. I was like I have to watch it, yeah. and I watched it at that age, and I was like, wow, what a great movie. And then I come to find <laughs> out, no one thought it was good. It's funny because circle jerks are actually very common when you're in middle school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> circle jerks are something everyone does once, but it's when you're really young and you don't yet know that like that's kind of gay, and mm-hmm. so like you're you're not allowed to do them later, but early on is the innocence of childhood is that you see your friend's dick hard <laughs> right am i alone in this mm-hmm. you basically were i mean were you jerking off with your friend uh n- not in that same room. yeah neither was i yeah, neither was i <laughs> neither was i can we move on i know what you mean i mean even even watching porn together it's, it's, it's you yeah. know at that age you're like well i mean how else are we gonna do it yeah. it's like well you know alone yeah yeah mm. in shame we didn't have that luxury until later yeah, yeah. Matt, did you ever jerk off with your friends? <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. In the past, yeah, I definitely used to do that. That's the thing when you're young. Not anymore, certainly yeah. not as like a pre-podcast bonding ritual. No, really no, don't, no, don't do that at all. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that we 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 deprive ourselves of that level of of uh, you know, unity, unity and solidarity between brothers. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we're all young and. You know, hard. <laughs> so, Boss Baby. Uh, are we done with Boss Baby? I don't know. like weird. Yeah? Where did we land on it? Being a good movie or a bad movie? <laughs> That's a very important part of the podcast. Did we like it? Mm-hmm. I loved it. No, I hated it. It was yeah. terrible. I think I can't believe we watched it. I think it's uh, one of those weird movies like Inside Out where it seems to be aimed at like an infantilized adult where it's like... Yeah, but it's like the it's it's an adult imagining 
what they think a, an emo child wants to yeah, see. Yeah, but the, uh, Inside which is Out... Like, talk about your feelings of how you're jealous of your, your younger Inside brother. Inside Out was infinitely more clever than Boss Baby. Yeah. In, uh, Inside Out is a, is a... I don't care what you say, Mr. Guy who brought it down to 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is actually a great movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. It's mm-hmm. fucking... It's well, beautiful. it's not for kids, though. It's clearly for depressed 35-year-olds. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And I feel like there's not enough movies for me. You know? <laughs> I just feel... I don't need i don't you know kids movies being for kids i think is that's why that's that just makes me angry that's why no one likes star wars you know <laughs> sure it's just like it's supposed to be for me and my fellow incels i mean i think that on boss <laughs> baby they definitely whatever they were trying to go for i think they missed but it seemed to me like they were they were trying to basically come up with the formula of like What's a movie that will be funny for both an adult and a kid? And then they settled on the easiest possible answer. They kept changing the metaphor like yeah. <laughs> every other scene. Yeah. They were like, fuck it, this is real too. I mean, it just they just decided to just keep changing it so you couldn't actually follow what's real and what's imagination. And... Uh, and why, you know, if you really hate the baby that much, just fucking kill the baby. I mean, let's all be real. You can kill it. Is that mm-hmm. maybe what happened at the end? Does he kill the baby? I mean, is that what the, like, the... Oh, no, you missed it. No, kid. the baby comes he back. Comes, he makes he, a decision to come back. Yeah. He, oh, I saw that part. He does... The well, baby basically gives himself a lobotomy. Yeah. In order to join the family as a real baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they have to drink this juice that keeps them baby form. Yeah. Also gives them human intelligence. So he stops drinking the formula and that makes him start growing and also basically destroys all of his memories and his mental function. Yeah. Yeah. He took, he blue pilled himself. Right. Exactly. It's like a reverse flowers for Algernon. Mm -hmm. Like if if flowers for Algernon was happy, you know, it's like, yay, he's becoming, (laughs) 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 he's becoming, I don't want, what's the word for, what's the, you can't say retarded. What is the word? I don't know the word. Yeah, I don't either. Well, we'll look it up. Mentally challenged. Mentally challenged. Such a mouthful. Yeah. And probably problematic. Yeah. Um, So what do we... What what All right. So you guys... Do you guys want to hear some selected uh, verses from uh, Way Way of the Shadow Wolf? Yes. Yes. Way of the Shadow Wolves, actually. Sorry. Way of the Shadow Wolves, The Deep State and the Hijacking of America. (laughs) (laughs) By Steven Seagal. If you hear that, you think, oh, this is clearly a nonfiction book. You would be wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, By Steven Seagal and Tom Morrissey. Couldn't write it himself. That's good. Uh, Forward by Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a joke. No, no, it's not a joke. <laughs> so I feel like I'm, I should. I really have to read some of the foreword by Joe Arpaio oh, yeah. to really frame uh, this this book. Um, Concentration for- <laughs> camps are fun, and it's where people learn civilized skills. He talks about how he read was- the book. <laughs> he talks about how he was a young a- a DEA agent in the mountains of Turkey. Uh, which I did not know about. Our pile was? Yeah, I did not know that about Sheriff Joe. That surprises um, me. I was promoted to regional director of the DEA office in Mexico and Latin America. What I experienced during that time brought me an understanding of the mindset and customs of the drug cartels, which drive those organizations to this very day. Oh, man. Um, Arizona today is and has been ground zero concerning illegal immigration and drug running. The deserts of this great state contain the hidden highways used by drug cartels as they pour across our unsecured borders. (laughs) 
That flow has slowed under President Donald Trump. However, there are powers today known today as uh, powers known today as the deep state working uh, against his efforts. Deep state. God, yes. Um, this is just I, I made a bunch of notes on. This is just one of like the seven times that they define what the the deep state is, and each time it's a little bit different. Um, <laughs> the final time it's just like we're talking Jews. <laughs> yeah. Can we say it? Can we? The activities of the deep state, sarcastic quotes, operatives are a grave danger to our country because they are working against the effort to secure our borders. Mm. It is my belief that books such as this bring a better understanding through fiction. This will help to bring an awakening which has been smothered by the entrenched leftist mindset that dominates the creative media in this country today. I, I know and have worked with Steven Seagal, who was a law enforcement officer, along with being an international movie star. Yeah, they worked together on... Um, there was a time when they let Steven Seagal... Oh, that's right. They let him drive the tank. Yeah, for, yeah. His, for his reality show. <laughs> for his reality show, and he like killed 100 chickens and, and this guy's puppy. Oh, yeah. my God. They put him in the dog-killing unit, which is the <laughs> largest part of the sheriff's department there. <laughs> um, all right, so there's another... Uh, all right, I got a few notes here. <laughs> So another thing that he likes to define often is uh, shadow wolves. Mm. So the first scene is the main character watching a documentary about about wolves about Native Americans oh, for okay. some reason. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's also a Native American. So I don't really know why he'd be watching a documentary about Native. It's just to really learn good, about his own people. It's a really good expository Wait, site. We're nice. not Indians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in a darkened Arizona movie theater, a somber male voice provides commentary over the Native American chanting and drumming that plays in the background of a documentary film. <laughs> and then, and then a, little, a, little, <clears throat> a little bit later, the government encouraged the creation of tribal constitutions, out of which came the tribal police departments. Within these departments was the genesis of the great trackers, many of whom were shadow wolves. The closing moments of the film arrive, and the credits start to roll as the narrator continues. Native Americans have an innate and powerful spiritual connection with the earth and its creatures. An understanding of the true nature of all that is on this planet and how it works in the perfect balance of cause and effect. An elite group within the Native American communities, known as Shadow Wolves, are part of this perfect balance and are the best of the best, with the ability to see what can't be seen with eyes. They know without having to be taught. They blend easily with the night. True right from wrong is ingrained in their souls, which makes them able to stand against evil no matter the cost. <laughs> to, how do they to see footprints on rocks? How do they balance their their fucking <laughs> fetishizing of indigenous peoples and <laughs> hatred of Mexicans at the same time? I, it's got to be rough to be that much of a race realist. You know what I mean? I th I think it represents like the ultimate homerism. Yeah, right. <laughs> but <laughs> like he want they want to see themselves as native so they can hate the immigration more. Oh my god, that's, I mean, it makes sense, it makes sense, but also, it makes no sense whatsoever. I think, though, if you are white, but you have a ponytail and a bolo tie, mm -hmm. you can count. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, that's my favorite thing about Steven Seagal, is that he, he, he legitimately thinks that he is every race of a person that he's played in a movie. Mm. So, like, he went to Japan and to study Aikido and, like, thinks he's Japanese, yeah. like, wears a bulletproof kimono, which is a real thing. <laughs> Um, and he also uh, thinks he's Native American because of On Deadly Ground. Mm -hmm. uh, he also thinks he's Russian because yeah. Putin likes Vladimir him. Putin. Vladimir. Uh, have you ever heard him pronounce Ukraine? You, uh, Ukraine. U Ukraine. <laughs> 
Uh, Sorry, I'm, miss, I'm missing the best part of this chapter. Do it. Which is after it breaks from the narration. That was all the narration of the film. Sure. Uh, a man sits alone, quietly watching the film in the back of the darkened theater. He stirs in his seat and comments to himself. It's I, a- I guess I should put my dick away. <laughs> <laughs> the usher is coming. <laughs> it's about time. John Godet rises from his seat and continues viewing as he backs up, slowly making his way out of the theater into the lobby. <laughs> cool <laughs> why would he watch that he knows these things <laughs> he needs to watch the movie about himself so that he can be like yeah right on <laughs> i am a shadow wolf now let's By go the find way, the some shadow Mexicans. wolves are an actual thing uh but what they are is just a group of ice agents who are like <laughs> at least 25 percent a member of these <laughs> tribes that have reservation land in arizona and that they like they are areas that need to be patrolled but they aren't technically the united states so ice created this detachment that's made up of tribal members to patrol their part of the border basically Jesus. so they're just fucking ice agents they're not ninjas they're not shape-shifting uh people you know they're, they're not these they're not these quasi supernatural warriors they're just like every other asshole in ice with like a big fat fucking neck with hot dog rolls on it <laughs> and a fucking bursting out of their tactical camo. <laughs> just the same fat asshole standing in front of a fucking hospital waiting for somebody to come out of chemotherapy so that you can deport them. But Matt, Steven Seagal told me they can track people over flat rocks. I, I think they're more likely to just stay on the fucking Jeep and like call in a drone uh, uh, investigation because why the fuck... Would you get out of the car when you can just have the robot look for him? That's true. Um, I have another section of these notes that I like to call protagonist porn mm. because the, the the main character is clearly Steven Seagal as he le- would like to see himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he's clearly pitching like a movie that Steven Seagal yeah. is going to star in. Um, and so the way he drives... <laughs> Co-starring his, his buddy Dan Ninen. I feel like he and Dan Ninen could make a great movie about how oh, great Oh, we have to talk about that Yes, too. we do. Okay. Um, uh, so this is this is my first section of protagonist porn. The Native American John Nantan Godet had classic chiseled features and was born and raised on the reservation, leaving it at age 18 after graduating high school to join the United States Marines. It was clear even in boot camp that he had something unique going that had that had its genesis in the words of his grandfather, who had taught him the old ways, starting when he was 13 years old. His spirit was totally connected to this land. <laughs> he knew, he knew, the reservation <laughs> he knew that when he walked this desert he was stepping where the many brave bold and sometimes naive men who preceded him had once walked he could feel their energy and sense their spirit with the way things were playing out in their culture he knew that they had been led down a path of total dependence by an elite group of politicians who were concerned only with absolute power nothing more nothing less <laughs> My favorite part is like the, uh, well, they have a lot of favorite parts, but the tortured Did, sentence structure is, uh, is, mm-hmm. is really something special. Did you finish this whole book? <laughs> I didn't finish the whole book. I got, uh, I got 40% of the way into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I'm not missing much with the last 60%. Well, I mean, maybe it's got a really nice moral that wraps everything up. Yeah. Um, what is it actually about? What, it's so about- it's about, well, we're going to get there, but it's about the deep state is helping to smuggle jihadists mm-hmm. uh, into America. Sure, sure, sure. Does George Soros make an appearance? Uh, he, he, he might be part of the deep state. Is, is he referenced? 
I would be honestly shocked if he, if he they, wasn't referenced. They do mention a religion without saying what it is. Wow. I feel like George Soros is to the deep state like the Wizard of Oz floating head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, Steven Seagal actually is Jewish, I think. Is he? You know yes, what? he is. He's really Chief Steven Seagal. Oh, like, shit. That was, that's his family's name. He changed its pronunciation, basically. <laughs> but he's Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this was a common occurrence in the Arizona desert between the Mexican border and Phoenix. Something he thought extremely dangerous, and if left unchecked, could cause the eventual destruction in the United States. The deep state within the mainstream media kept the eyes of the country on the flood of illegals that were coming across the border. They painted them as simple people in need of a better life. It was a cunning distraction to take the eyes off the drugs that billionaire drug lords were pumping into the U.S. Mm, mm-hmm. John knew why it was working and saw it as collusion between the paid-off media and the drug lords. Yeah, that liberal media, dude. What troubled John even more was was that the country was asleep when it came to the OTMs, or, and this is a great acronym, mm-hmm. other than Mexicans, coming across a virtually open southern border into the country and possibly assembling for what America had never known before. Are we talking about jihadists? A jihadi caliphate. Oh, there it is, dude. There it is. Our true enemy has yet to be revealed. Psych! Revealed the fuck out of them, all Muslims. So so that means that the deep state, yeah, is is actually radical jihadists? Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Because why else would they want them in the country than than to destroy it? Man, nine eleven really fucked us up. <laughs> uh, this is this is just a small taste of his uh, knack for writing writing dialogue. My name is John Godet, John Nantan Godet. He answered with a trace of sensitivity. To who? Who's asking? Uh, this guy named Tooth, who is a who is uh, John Nantan Godet's protege. Okay, cool. Yeah, with a trace of sensitivity. He answered with a trace of sensitivity. Cool, I like that. You are this quiet guy who moves around like no one I have ever seen. You are a res man, and yet you ain't. I've been watching you from afar move, and I've been like, wow, he's so smooth in his walk. His gait is good. It's like a, it's like a trained show dog. <laughs> you amaze me, Goatsy. What's is his name? Goatsy? <laughs> Godet. Oh, okay. I thought it was Goat until wow. like the page. Goatsy, you sure can <laughs> spread your asshole really far. How do you do it? Um, this is where we run into the jihadists right right here. He's a, So are they coming across the southern border, the jihadists? Yeah, they're going to ram uh, a lot of jihadis up America's ass in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of ramming up the ass metaphors in this. Yeah, including Goatsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I added it, but... Yeah, no, it's good. Mexicans? No Americans? Just Mexicans? John pushed him, trying to get a fix on whether or not they might be deep state operatives. No, they weren't American. But he said that there were these heavy breathing Arab guys coming out with them. <laughs> All that hookah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy breathing? What was making them breathe heavy? Lemon mint. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't have nothing to do with breathing. It's like the way they talk, man. He said that they sound like they're gargling when they speak. <laughs> they got some bad accents. Tooth tried to explain it as best he could. Did he tell you anything else about these guys? Yeah, he said that they had him get them some women and hashish for when they're done with whatever they were doing out there in the dark. Yeah. And they asked for 72 virgins. (laughs) (laughs) No more, no less. Uh, This is is when uh, John Nantan Godet gets an assignment. 
which is a uh, very very much out of like a Ray Chandler novel. That day, after he dropped Sweet Tooth at the casino, John drove to his task force headquarters. Where you been, Moose? Bellamy, one of his task force members, asked when John walked through the door into the squad room. These guys all have the sickest nicknames, dude. <laughs> My name is Sweet Tooth. <laughs> John- hey, Moose. Sweet Tooth here, just checking in on y'all. Y'all find any deep state operatives lately? No? Okay, just Maybe let me know. You might have to go a little deeper. <laughs> just keep searching. <laughs> Check the southern border, if you know what I mean. Come on, Goatsy, let's go. (laughs) John didn't respond because his attention was taken by what was lying on his desk. It was a picture of a beautiful young woman posing in a seductive red dress. Her, Her hair was copper, flaring around her tan face. Her eyes captivated him immediately. Who's this? He nodded at the photo. This is Lisa, my future wife. Some gal who says she needs to talk with you and right away. What's the picture? John asked curiously, which is, you know, how you ask stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The only way, baby. (laughs) I guess it's a motivator to get you to get in touch right away. That would work for me. Bellamy had a smile on his face. She say what this was about. John took off his black jacket, which had a patch on the left sleeve with an insignia of a wolf encapsulated in an arrowhead and draped it across the back of his chair. <laughs> she said it was about something you might be interested in knowing. Claims she's an investigative reporter following a story you might want to hear. Why didn't she talk to you about it? John asked. I guess because I ain't you. Believe me, I offered to listen, intently. But all she wanted was you, you stud you. He smirked. He smirked as he spoke in mock admiration. Oh my god! Can we still do that thing where we beat off in the same room together? <laughs> or are we too old now? We all have this picture. It'll be like old times, sweet tooth. We'll call, <laughs> we'll call it limp red dress. In. <laughs> this her number? Yeah, and I'd get right on it, man. You don't want something that looks like going you don't want something that looks like that going somewhere else for help. Her name is Maria? John looked closely at the piece of paper. No last name? That's all she gave up. When was it she stopped by? Did she have an accent? <laughs> About 2 days ago, Bellamy smiled. Hope she's still around so maybe I can be some of help uh, be of some help to her just in case. Uh, she said that she wanted to meet you for coffee because she knows what a coffee freak you are. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Now, how could she possibly know that, Bellamy? You giving up my secrets? She said to tell you, and I quote, that more things are revealed over coffee than on a golf course. What? What? (laughs) This is stream of consciousness. Like classic dilemma. Like, get the information over coffee or at a golf course. Solved, finally. (laughs) John jerked his head back in mock reaction as he half laughed. God, they love the mock reaction. He's going to eat some mock turtle soup later. (laughs) This was like one of the hardest... wearing a mock turtle neck. (laughs) How do you jerk your head back... Mock four, four blades. I'm sorry. How do you jerk your head back in mock reaction while half laughing? Well, Yeah, yeah, that's not a mock reaction. A mock reaction wouldn't be a reaction then. Right? I, I mean, well, I don't know what a half laughter is. I don't know what a mock reaction is. They're half all... laughter. <laughs> it's a hafter, dude. You just, you just don't, you don't understand how to communicate with people the way Steven like, Seagal does. Ha! <laughs> no, it's a laugh. Lit- it would just have to be the H. It's it's just the, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, he's literally uh, describing. This is Tommy Wiseau. He's describing uh, a Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> what a story, sweet tooth. Uh, <laughs> you crack me up, sweet tooth. <laughs> wow, what a sexy red dress. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I almost said the same thing to her. But the word's out, Johnny boy. You are a coffee freak, and apparently the world knows it. <laughs> I mean, and his name is Johnny. That is literally the name of the character. <laughs> no, no, that's Bellamy talking oh, to Johnny yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's going to define the shadow wolves again. Ghosts or shadow wolves were legend in the Native American culture, no matter what the tribe or nation. No matter where in the country, it was understood that these folks had spirit power. <laughs> sounds like a cheerleading team <laughs> we have spirit power how the about shadow you? Wolves. oh it's gonna get better john put his hand up and turned it from front to back then closed it from pinky to thumb in a circular grasp known in martial arts as the talon fist oh it was my. the way a hawk grasps its play, prey and a method of gaining everyone's attention listen i see this as a look-see First we take a look. Then if we see, we hang back and follow what we see. Oh, thank God so, he defined look-see. <laughs> he was getting, I would have been lost with that. That's what that means. He also had to define a talent fist, which is what John uses to get the squad's attention before he, he's telling them about a look-see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was good. God it's damn. basically a quiet coyote. Okay, so this, is a, this is a really good um, name of one of the characters. Uh-huh. Three, the three assigned to Noche were Deanne Higgins, a woman agent with the DEA who could hold her own as a member of this or any other task force, Anthony Quadrino, a leather-skinned veteran cop wise beyond his years who was built like a linebacker with a round face and stood about five foot ten. Quadrino? <laughs> yeah, that's a name. And hey, Tony Q. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. And Maurice Scotty Random, a black man. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Come on! A black man pushing 30 who had the body of a man who looked like he lived in the gym. I like how he doesn't have the body of a man who lived in the gym. He had the body of a man who looked like he lived yeah. in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Steven Seagal was like, ah, oh, shit. There's no, there's no black characters. Can we get a random black guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scotty like, Rand. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's horrible. Have you met my Uncle Thomas? He's great. You'll love him. He's black. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before, I mean, I don't know how much more of this you want me to read, but I do want to get to a couple of Mexican thugs because they're all very Oh, sure. Evocative. Sure, sure. I'm sure that they're completely real <laughs> characters based on people he's met. Standing in the middle of the room was a heavy set, intense looking man with a black bandana tied around his head. Mm-hmm. His huge mustache moved when he yelled, Payaso, I'm going to kill this bitch if you don't. It was all he was able to get out as Bellamy put a hole through his forehead. (laughs) His last words are, have you ever had your shit pushed in? He basically just does the entire scene from training day. Uh, So at the end, this is at the end of the raid. They had functioned like a well-oiled machine that had just saved two innocent lives. All lives matter. Do they not? Oh Oh my (laughs) God. That is beautiful. But apparently not the fat Mexican that he plugged in the head. Yeah. <laughs> it was at that moment that Scotty Random was like, hold on a second. <laughs> um, I have some thoughts about that. Excuse me, sweet tooth. Not now, Scotty Random. Um, so then the, one of the chapters is just uh, the deep state having a meeting. Uh, 
Next month. Okay, got to tell me that there's some Soros in there. Yeah, okay. it's got to be. Should I just, I'll, I'll read the whole thing because, you know. Soros and Rachel Maddow and all those people. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Uh, the chapter is just called Inside the Federal Building. <laughs> just the right. Federal Building. <laughs> the, the, the federal you know, building. the one. Yeah. <laughs> Gents and lady, if I can abuse the term, there was laughter. Please be so, oh, no, literally. so PC. <laughs> yeah. No, I literally meant, can I abuse you? <laughs> Special Agent Moe Dogface Miner was not a happy camper. He had just had his butt chewed by the SAC. What is, what's the SAC? Uh, SAC? Yeah. I don't know. SEC, Security and Exchange Commission. I don't Does anybody know, know what SAC is? I just had my butt chewed by uh, the SAC. Uh, special Agent in Charge. Okay. Oh, there right. we go. All there right. we go. I knew you'd get you'd get it. Uh, why the fuck are you letting our cartel jihadist allies? Cartel jihadist has a hyphen, by the way. It's like, <laughs> cartel <laughs> jihadist allies. <laughs> they got they got married. They got married, and they couldn't. They, they don't want to pick one name. So well, now we'll just. There's nothing that arch materialists whose continued wealth is dependent on America being a home of hedonistic drug drug users love more than the idea of an Islamic caliphate. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Two ideologies that mesh really well together. Yeah. Yeah. Why the fuck are you letting our cartel jihadist allies get captured by the locals? You are supposed to know where every local LEA is at all of the time. A uh, law, local or law enforcement agent. Yeah, yep. They're gonna be late to our Islamist gay orgies. <laughs> Come on. Uh, this is a presidential priority. One more screw up, and you are headed for Alaska. Dogface looked around the table. Every person in the room was a thirty-fourth degree bubba with a lifetime of service to the cause. What the <laughs> fuck is it? What's a bubba? <laughs> I don't know. And each was in the top three positions of their respective agencies for the Southwestern FEMA District 6 territory. FEMA! Yeah. yeah. Who had, death, death camps. Who had FEMA on Deep State Bingo? Every Alex Jones bingo on the bingo card here. God FEMA. damn. FEMA? I hardly know him. <laughs> <laughs> Come to order. We only have 30 minutes off the clock. The room has been swept. POTUS has sent me a secure message. I assume this was written when Obama was still president. Mm. Yeah, probably. Uh, he has 1,000 more invited guests, as the local sheriff calls them, coming over the border in the next month, and he is counting on us to give them free passage. I know it's tough with all the OTMs and every federal, state, and local agency trying to bag as many illegal aliens as possible, but this is how we earn our Cayman Island end-of-the-year bonuses, so I need for each of you to double down. <laughs> oh, my God. Next month, we're going to try something new. I've arranged for a National Guard unit commanded by one of us, another 34th, to schedule a drill that will clear all LEAs from a five-mile-wide open border. LEAs? Law enforcement agent, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah local, yeah. yeah. Uh, another 34th commanding a Mexican military unit is going to do the same thing on their side, mirroring our control and creating a corridor. Mm. We are the going Mexican to- government's in on it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Yeah, globalists, dude. Yeah. Globalists! <laughs> We're going to jam 500 jihadists up America's ass in one night. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing a jihadist loves more than that. Getting into some sweet goatsy action. <laughs> The hard part is going to be distributing them in the few hours of darkness that we will have left. And coming at the same time. <laughs> FEMA, this is where your private train comes in. <laughs> 
I want to load all 500 on your train, which will be announced as rapid deployment test and evaluation. Nothing more stealthy than a train. (laughs) (laughs) Which will be announced as a rapid deployment test and evaluation, and then have you distribute 25 at a time from here to Ithaca, New York. And here's the best part, is they misspelled Ithaca. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You will have one boxcar isolated from the larger group, and that will be how we transport the radioactive material and explosives that will be dropped in Phoenix, with a 36th, a part of the special team. So the deep state wants... Uh, a, they want the, the jihadists to nuke us, I think, Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. Do they ever explain why? I mean, is there is there ever a good reason for it? Is it so that we continue to do wars in the Middle East? Is that is that like part of the... Is this like in, in 9-11 is an inside job type thing? Or... Like, which is it? Does the deep state want to turn America into a caliphate? Or does the deep state want jihadists in so that we have a reason to destroy? See, you can try and track down this metaphor, but ultimately it's like a government-based boss baby. Oh, (laughs) shit. Yeah, they just keep changing the rules of the metaphor halfway through. Actually, what it is 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 that the real head of the deep state, deep state is Logan Paul. Oh (laughs) shit! Phoenix is the ultimate prank. (laughs) (laughs) The twist is it wasn't just a prank, bro. And then he pushes the button, and we all explode. What's up, guys? Uh, We're down here in Phoenix. I'm gonna nuke the whole town, and they have no idea. Hey, uh, smash that subscribe button and also that nuclear missile button. I am so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that people didn't like when I nuked Phoenix. <laughs> it was supposed to just be a funny video, and I understand it didn't come off that way. I deserve a second chance. Um, here's another good, uh, good some Mexican thug action in this this next bit. Mm. Uh, Bellamy walked down the hall and tapped on the door of the room where Outlaw Number Two was being held. John opened the door as Bellamy waved his head toward the room that he had just left and said, "He's giving up his compadres. He's ready to make a deal." That's bullshit, man. Come on, what you think you got here? Outlaw number two chuckled dismissively and leaned back in his chair, a confident smile on his face. We got you. That's what we got. Murphy was sitting in the shadows directly behind him as he leaned forward and tapped him on the back of his head. And before you know it, your girlfriend in the other room is going to make a deal. Then we'll really be telling you that we got you for a long time. Fuck you, asshole. He looked hardened with short cropped hair. His Mandarin-style mustache was full and somewhat complemented by the teardrop tattoo under his left eye. (laughs) A prison gang identifier. Like the other two, he was no older than his mid-twenties, but his eyes held an old intensity that made Bellamy glad he was cuffed. (laughs) Oh my god. John stepped outside and asked Bellamy, You get anywhere with yours? No, but he is psyched. Pissed off psyched. What? (laughs) What's not the term? That's not what psyched means. Yeah, <laughs> those are two different things. But he is fucking psyched, you know, just mad as hell. Dude. Uh, you know when you're so psyched that you're just like, fuck! <laughs> um, so this is the other aspect of the deep state is the Mexican half. This right, is, yeah. This is in chapter eight, the Mexican intelligent perspective. Mexican intelligence perspective. Mm. Carajo. I was going to say, I doubt it. <laughs> Gran Carajo! Jose Maria Gutierrez de Porras, the top counterintelligence officer in Mexico, who reported directly to the president of Mexico, was pissed. Seriously pissed. <laughs> People, I need some ideas. The de- I like yeah. <laughs> I like how he started calling them assholes, and then he's just like, People, we're yeah. doing a meeting here, and it's going to be in English. <laughs> People, I need some ideas. The deep state to the north is on the move. 
We are seeing 1,000 jihadists a month going north, and they seem to have almost miraculous powers, both here in Mexico and once they cross the border, as if they were on diplomatic passports, all expenses paid. The president is sick and tired of hearing about a wall that is not needed to keep Mexicans out. We already own the fucking USA. The OTMs are giving us a bad name. Whether they're Central American baby gangsters or Asian gangsters, I don't care. What? What? I, so, oh wait, hold on. But so this guy is part of the Mexican deep state? Yeah, yeah. Here is what I need. I need to identify and arrest the Bubba's that are facilitate. Or I think he maybe he's against the Mexican. It sounds like he's against okay. it. That are this is like the fucking Illuminatus trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I need to identify and arrest the Bubba's that are facilitating the movement of OTMs toward the U.S., which, you might remember, means other than Mexicans. Which is how the Mexican government refers to uh, everyone, actually. Uh, And I particularly want to stop every ISIS soldier trying to cross our territory into the USA. In particular! It is crystal clear to all of us that the USG is completely penetrated, and this trafficking of human jihadists is approved by the president himself and being protected by rogue elements of the CIA, FBI, and DEA. The same rogue elements that have been smuggling drugs, guns, gold, cash, and small children for the American elite ever since Alan... I'm surprised they didn't all small sausage pizzas into the United States. (laughs) That scene with them at the federal building did it end with anyways? Who would like some cheese pizza? Because it feels like it should have extra cream. And small children for the Americans, blah, blah, blah. Ever since Alan Dulles and J. Edgar Hoover first created the secret state within a state. God. I have no... Oh, here we go. I have no idea what they are planning, but a violent American spring funded by Constantine Loros and augmented oh, by... Oh, God, the there he is! Loros. There he is! <laughs> there he fucking is! George Soros, baby! You couldn't go, like, Borge Loros? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that could be someone else. <laughs> Constantine Loros, and augmented by a wave of false flag attacks, absolutely comes to mind. Oh fuck yes, fuck yes. God, I only wish this is supposed to take place with a Democratic president, right? This yeah, is, uh, oh, absolutely. I only wish the Democratic Party was was as cool as as these people think it is. Like, I, yeah, that's that's the funniest thing about fun, about Trump winning is that it it for one and for all disprove their entire worldview yeah yeah like 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 the world that that alex jones and those guys had created for their listeners was one in which trump could never win right and then he won so this can't exist (laughs) (laughs) but they're the the (laughs) thing is the deep state is nebulous enough that they can keep being like well the real reason that trump's not getting anything done right there's the deep state constantine loros is back there (laughs) fucking kids in the people birth control in your water (laughs) but it would have been way easier to just not have him be president which they clearly have the power to do right (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is at, at, at the end of the day, it just proves that like uh, that it is absolutely possible to get a fucking nutbag uh, in office. Therefore, the deep state has no power whatsoever. Well, that was why like the nine eleven conspiracies. All, that was where they all fell apart. Yeah, and it's like all right, you're telling me that the same government that couldn't even plant. Uh, the WM, the, the WMDs that they all said were there planned the entire 9-11 and successfully carried it out. They can only lie once. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. only- look at the way that the, the Bush administration ran every other aspect of government. Just this incompetent, 
uh, offloading of responsibility onto these shady subcontractors. Mm-hmm. If those guys had tried to do 9-11, they would have ended up paying $5 billion to Halliburton, yeah. and it would have ended up with them like blowing up a model of the World Trade Center. <laughs> <laughs> they fly a plane into New York, New York, the Vegas hotel. And they're like, close enough. <laughs> Which, by the way, to this day, if you go there, there's a display case in front of the 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 uh the casino with all of the keepsakes and mementos that were left there after 9/11. Oh, that's nice. Cuz people when it happened they were like went to the New York New York casino in Vegas. <laughs> they need us right now. Like solidarity tokens. <laughs> Oh man! Did the New York, New York have? That's the- why I went to uh, to Paris with a uh, Je Suis Charlie shirt. <laughs> yeah. <right> yeah. After <laughs> the- <laughs> Paris, ho- the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you got it. <laughs> uh, does the New York, New York have the World Trade Center towers in its skyline? It, it was used built- to. So they that had to like take very it down. It's been awkward to get those out of there. They yeah. had to take uh, them down uh, with controlled dis- yeah. control control demolition. <laughs> <laughs> That is the uh, lesser-known tragedy of 9-11. <laughs> you know, there's at least one guy in that room that's like, hear me out. What if we just added a plane? Yeah. <laughs> that would be the best ride at New York, New York. <laughs> oh. uh, all right, last quote. This is just, I feel like this really drives home Steven Seagal's confused ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke with a voice that had, had a spirit music deep within. Even at a young age, John recognized his grandfather's uniqueness and high level of understanding. The spiritual power his grandfather was apparent to, of his grandfather was apparent to him even then, and it was that power which transferred to the tribal police officer he became when the old man had passed. John faithfully practiced the methods taught to him and used them over and over in his work. His tracking ability was uncanny, as was his talent for learning things that pertain to his internal self, like the ancient Chinese art of Bagua and the Japanese art of Aikido. What? How many (laughs) internal self-ethnicities? He called them life arts, not just because they were studied throughout one's life, but because, as in his case, they had saved his life on several occasions. Oh, my God. Is the giant twist is that he's actually a half-Japanese, half-Chinese man? Um... Yes. Oh, well, yeah. that's beautiful. He's the 13th incarnation of a Buddhist Lama. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know that uh, Stephen Skull actually thinks that, right? That no, I, it doesn't surprise me, but no, I did not know that. Yeah, he's it, actually half Japanese, half Native American, yeah. which means he gets his sushi at the reservation <laughs> casino. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually half, Mex- half half Italian and half Eskimo. What race is this guy anyway? Boy, boy, the sled dogs hate spaghetti. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you guys want to talk about Dan Nine? And- well, we have to now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, you clearly you you you're you're all caught up on Dan Nine and Matt. Oh, Christmas. I'm a nine and head from way back. Oh yeah, me too, man. I've been making fucking like uh, splice ups of his videos for a few years now. He has that one video where he it's it's I think it's just titled Dan Nine and or Indian comic destroys <laughs> in front of five thousand non Indians. That's <laughs> that's the name he chose for his YouTube video, <laughs> and it's five minutes of just fucking fire material that has so much space between the setup and the punchline that you can just go in and edit it any which way you want. Is he sure there were no Indians there? 
I mean, I think he counted. Let's yeah. be. <laughs> I, I think that video is takes place at some. I think it's like a Tesla conference or something. Well, oh, there's one that's a Tesla conference for sure, where he just bombs the entire time. But there's one where he fucking crushes. I think he's kind of like the reverse Columbus. Like he was, he went out there looking for non-Indians, uh-huh. yeah. and he's like, "Oh, these are non-Indians." And a couple of people are like, "Well, hey, I'm Indian." And it's like, "Yeah, yeah you're not Indian." Either that, or he's <laughs> referring to. Did you see the video of him at the fundraiser? Uh, oh. There was a fundraiser in California for a, a, a libertarian crank who's running against Maxine Waters. Oh, fuck. No. There was a video? We read about it. Yeah, yeah. He's literally still on probation from illegally tracking his wife's car. <laughs> Wait, Nainen is? On her. Not Nainen. No, the guy who's running for oh, Congress. Okay. Fundraiser Nainen was at. And yeah, I've seen some video from it. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, my God. I, it's really great. He's talking to this uh, this conference room. Uh, there's maybe 20 chairs set up and like maybe three or four or five of them have people in them oh. and people are milling around and he just starts going. Oh, I love it. And I... his first joke is, Hey, so you guys uh, remember there was a bombing in my city a year ago. <laughs> uh, in my neighborhood in Chelsea in New York, there was a bomb in a dumpster. Uh, that's what they say. I think someone was trying to charge their Samsung Galaxy Note 7. <laughs> oh, and beautiful. No one, one lady kind of clapped and no one else had anything to say. It's the perfect comedy for like the, the one, one of the grandmas to be like, oh, well, that was very clever. Yeah, he's having very, fun. Very, very clever, Dan. Oh. Um, I, I feel like it's a, a comment on uh, on the Trump phenomenon that millennial comedian dan Ninen, who has a giant banner on the side of side of his website about him performing for barack obama has like reinvented himself as like the trump trump supporter yeah of course yeah i mean this is the thing about people like i mean they're all in the same vein of just like anti-normie fucking trolls who just uh the i mean slash pathological liars i mean he's he is the perfect person to be supporting trump (laughs) This guy. Oh is- yeah, there's such a vacuum of any kind of notable celebrity or artistic figure that any kind of grifter should just. The fact that more, like more struggling artists have not sort of just decided to become MAGA, right? Raise their profile kind of blows my mind. Like that woman Joy Vega or whatever. Right. Her name yeah. Is. Oh, I mean, fucking Scott Bayo like spoke at the convention. Yeah. Right. You. you that's what you the get guy to do. Who fucked Denise Richards' stinky hole? <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee he's told Donald Trump about Denise Richards' stinky hole. Yeah. It really tests your ability. Like, how much are you willing to shill to get ahead and fucking. Dan Ninen's got no limit, man. Dan Ninen has no he's limit. A no he's, limit. Got a, he's got a license to shill. Dude, this <laughs> fool, is so, he's so shameless. It's 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 incredible. It's funny that his whole thing was like, I'm a millennial, I'm a millennial, and finally now if you Google him, it just says his exact birthday. <laughs> yeah. so he's born in 1961, May 4th. There's like a particular Google card that points it out. It's the first thing it says under his name. Oh, man. The Imagine Internet the won. balls to call yourself a millennial when you're 56. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> to be fair, I, like, I have a selfie to stick. To be fair, that's what the the painting in his attic looks like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if this is a new blog on Dan Ninen's website or if somebody just discovered this blog on Dan Ninen's website. But uh, he's got his like own 
personal Marine Todd story. And uh, it's just called Bob Saget, and it's written in the third person, which is great. Uh, it was May 14th, 2005. Dan had just finished a comedy class at the American Comedy Institute. For sure someone else wrote this. Someone, <laughs> member of his staff. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he asked one of his classmates if he wanted to go out and check out the Laugh Factory, which had just opened. The Laugh Factory is an institution in Los Angeles, and the owner was trying to make a foray into New York, a decision that would eventually prove disastrous. <laughs> Dan asked the gentleman at the door, Jack Keller, who seemed much too kind to be working at a comedy club, what was going on inside. God, he hates he hates other comedians <laughs> so much. He said that Bob Saget and Artie Lang were performing for the Black Tie Gala Grand Opening. Dan and his classmates were about to leave, and on a whim, Dan asked him if they could maybe poke their heads in and watch, fully expecting to be rebuked. However, Jack was nice enough to let them go upstairs and check it out. Artie was on stage, doing a joke about crapping in his pants and then pulling over to the side of the road and pulling his pants down. Just vulgar. (laughs) Vulgar stuff! (laughs) And that bit was tame compared to what followed. While this was going on, Dan briefly met the owner, Jamie Masada, and gave him the standard pitch about being a clean comedian. 100% clean. Who was touring with Robert Schimmel. And he gave Dan the standard comedy club owner blow-off response. Send me a tape. Artie's material was mostly met with stony silence. Bob Saget didn't fare much better. Bob has such a clean-cut image from having been the host of America's Funniest Home Videos in Full House. So when he performs, the audiences are usually shocked at how filthy his material is. First of all, who the fuck is shocked? At this point. Yeah. 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 He's in the aristocrats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dan thought he was a hilarious, but again, the older black tie crowd just wasn't digging it. Dan briefly walked out of the showroom to use the restroom, and Jamie rushed up to him, desperation in his eyes, asking, You work clean? Absolutely. Only clean material. Dan replied honestly. <laughs> he totally wrote this himself in <laughs> yeah. the third person. You go perform for five minutes. Imagine this being said in Jamie's very thick Iranian Jewish accent. <laughs> Next- you can just say Iranian. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually no difference. <laughs> Next thing Dan knew, they handed Bob a piece of paper, whereupon he announced, We have one more comedian for you tonight. Please welcome Mr. Dan Ninen. Dan- so Bob Saget was hosting and headlining. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, Dan took the stage, tremendously nervous about falling one of the most successful and well-known comedians in the country, and proceeded to absolutely bring the house down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they never gave him the light, so Dan kept going and ended his set to thunderous And he's applause. still there to this very day. <laughs> he never gave up the light. You, you won't believe where he gets his sushi. <laughs> <laughs> like Noah, he performed until he was 700 years old. <laughs> Even though he started out as a millennial comedian. (laughs) Dan was mobbed by everyone afterwards, and Bob came up to him, pumped his hand, and right there in front of him, told Jamie that he wanted Dan to open for him the rest of the weekend, which is is exactly what ended up happening. On the way out, Dan thanked Jack profusely, pumping his hand, and Jack kindly said, See what happens when you're nice? I love it. Wasn't... Ah! Jack supposed to be the nice one? Too yeah. nice to be working in. Yeah, so it, nice. Oh, that's great. Everyone's nice. In the moral story. of the story Except is if you're nice and clean and good, everything works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just that Ninen has not gotten his fair shake. That's all. <laughs> My favorite thing about Dan Ninen is the uh, obscene amount of selfies he takes with his private jet. And... <laughs> And how he does, doesn't in any way feel that it's sad when he posts a picture of himself alone at Christmas eating a steak when he's just like, just me having my Christmas meal. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're alone on, on Christmas. 
this is not a happy story. But you know, for him, it's it's that's success. I feel I feel like honestly, if Dan Nynan had a local scene, because I don't believe he does anymore. He used to be a San Francisco comic. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is he started out here. This was his scene. Oh, I didn't know yes. that at all. I, uh, uh, he he went up at the punchline not too long ago. He came back and they let him go up at the Sunday showcase. Holy, was every was every comic like, oh my yeah, god. Every comic was like, oh my god, it's Dan Nynan. And I fucking missed it. I was I oh. was in LA and I was like, motherfucker. Oh, I missed that too. Oh Fuck. god. It just like, yeah, he comes what back. Do you, what do you say to Dan Nynan if you see him though? I mean, I think you say, can you please perform my show? Because the number one thing I want to do is give him time on a show Mm -hmm. just to be like, this is why no one books you. (laughs) You're fucking terrible. When I see him, I just talk about like millennial stuff. I'm like, man, you know how we always be like taking pictures of ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) It'd be great if you just invented a whole new millennial vernacular. You know, like like he just starts using it. Like Craig Robinson's character in fucking The Office just invents new things for Michael Scott to say. (laughs) (laughs) Zip it up. And zip it out. Yeah. <laughs> that might be Dave Chappelle. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh, nine and... I wish I, 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 I wish him the best of luck, though, in life. Because uh, I want him to be around long enough to to make a movie about him. Like, to me, I want to mm. see the disaster artist yeah. with Dan Nine. Absolutely. Yeah. I think oh, that my God. Happen. That'd be amazing. He's a portrait of just a total... It, it, I think it would be it would be less like the disaster artist and more like Nightcrawler. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking. Vibe. I was thinking. Big fan. Yeah, big fan. Nightcrawler's pretty. Accurate Nightcrawler also. is very accurate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Except for uh, the the apparent success that followed uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's career in that movie. Like, hey, 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 hey. you want. Those are fucking pri- private jets, aren't they? That's a good point. That's a good point. Private jets. He's performed in front of the president and cornered him in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh? What does Dan Nynan actually do for a living? I, he does. He does comedy. I think he does corporate yeah, gigs. But he, yeah, doesn't, he does corporate gigs. He, and he lives off of fucking uh, like some. Tech, he's not buying a private jet off. No, of that gigs. was like tech money and uh, Bitcoin. He actually had a post recently that was like uh, 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 called no, "No Coiners." Do you know what a "No Coiner" is? Someone with no coin. That's someone who uh, who laughed at everyone when they bought Bitcoin, and now. Now look at them. They're wow. a bunch of a bunch of fucking bitter no no coiners. Although I think so. Does he have like dot com era yeah, tech money? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. That's that's yeah. his whole thing. And and like a lot of people I know uh, who have... <laughs> like a lot of millennials who made their fortune yes. in the first dot com. Ah yes, us millennials always talking about our Yahoo money. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, when, you talk, when you say first tech bubble, you're referring to Bell Lab. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, IBM when the Nazis owned it. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like he's g- destined for just a really a great film about him because he's so fucking... You've seen the three-hour interview he did on that podcast where he refused to say his age, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's fucking... It sucks you in. I met that guy and I asked him about it and he's like, I'm still not over that. It's like, yeah. It was like a crazy experience to be sitting across from him being like, so you're not going to... Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Oh. It's like wearing an earring. <laughs> Just a fun young guy. Man. What if we do... I mean, him and Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. In some sort of buddy comedy. I'd watch it. Yeah. 
thing about Tommy Wiseau is like I I I respect Tommy Wiseau a little bit because of the fact <laughs> that like uh, he he's yeah he's definitely a piece of shit he's definitely has uh, uh, issues but when he you know he at least has made something worthy of watching mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. whereas like Nynan is is just a bitter husk of a person who is just so convinced that the world is the comedy world has wronged him that like he's just he has no redeeming factors there's nothing likable about him but that's what makes him kind of amazing to me yeah yeah anyways i would love to have him on the podcast yeah yeah dan nine and if you're out there just smash that like button uh (laughs) subscribe send us an email broadcast at gmail.com yeah um we got one. We got one question in the email this week. All right, what is we it? We got more than that, but I'm not gonna read them. We'll play the fucking. Uh, you want me to play the jingle? Yeah, yeah. you got to play jingles, dude. This is a professional podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Your advice is always bad, but tell me more about your dad. Oh God, I am afraid to die. <laughs> the emails. Yeah, Matt, you forgot your part. Oh, Vince hates art. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Frauders. Hey, Vince. Reference from a movie name here. I saw you mention... Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, I saw you mention about film critics, a vast number of right with zero sense of historical and societal context. I was just wondering if you could expand on that, possibly. Uh, that's just how most people live? Uh, yeah, it is. But also, um, it's just like infuriating when you watch a movie and then you go read reviews of it. And Well, this week, that was specifically about... Um, the latest Jerry Bruckheimer movie, uh, 12 Strong. Yes! About the men who had to fuck every horse in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. Michael Shannon, if you don't fuck all these horses, there's going to be 9-11 too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, Jerry Bruckheimer is, was, like, a Jeb Bush supporter, and he's, like, an old-time like bush era piece of shit mm-hmm. and uh i mean this movie is basically celebrating like the one victory that donald rumsfeld had based on his strategy of just like bombing a bunch of shit and not like having a many soldiers there. like minimal amount of u.s soldiers a lot of bombs and uh and so like we're gonna take Afghanistan with like twelve guys on horseback who don't know the fucking language. Right. By the way, I'm sure the twelve guys, none of whom spoke Dari, like really took Afghanistan, and they're like they were really like the driving force. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the book's about. Um, anyway, so then I'm like reading the 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 the, the re- other reviews of this movie, and it's like none of them are about the thing that the movie's about at all it's all like chris hemsworth is great he's got blue eyes and broad <laughs> shoulders and it's like what the fuck are you even doing mm-hmm. like first uh first quote on um rotten tomatoes sans magic hammer chris hemsworth's cr- career as a leading man is spotty at best it seems he just needed horse co-stars <laughs> <laughs> um Stirring and solid, 12 Strong is the kind of film that make you, might make you think twice about January releases. What? <laughs> like That's f- what it'll make you think about? Like, you watched that fucking movie. And you thought about January and you releases. you thought, like, well, this really changes the game of movies released in January. <laughs> Fuck. 
Uh, at, at, right after the scene where the horse soldiers ride away and all of their Northern Alliance allies are stuffing Taliban prisoners into container ships <laughs> where they're going to suffocate. And you're thinking like, hmm, I think that they might be able to move the, the, the release schedule next year. <laughs> this might move the January needle, let me tell you. Uh, after, the, after the Oscars, uh, you know, the Golden Globes is really a, a lead predictor of awards chance. Like, shut the fuck up. That's what you're writing about? Do you think that they just feel like they haven't done their homework enough to comment on that, or they're just gun-shy, and they're like, all right, stick to what you know, yeah, play I, the hits, stay in your fucking lane, don't lose anybody? I think it's a little everything. I think mostly it's just that everyone's real dumb. That's true. Word. I yep. mean, I think it's the same reason that like all political coverage is like, well, what does this mean for his chances in November? It's yeah. like, uh, well, first of all, everyone really wants to be Nate Silver for some reason, mm-hmm. like even in movies, like the entire movie coverage from like november to february is all like what does this mean for awards chances as yeah. if like everyone is sitting around wondering like ooh, well is uh is james franco gonna win the oscar this year like right. no one gives a fuck but right for some reason well i know the reason the reason is that part of the business is supported by like for your consideration ads mm. where it traditionally has been so like if you could own the awards coverage you could be the person who gets all the for your consideration right. ads. Yeah. And I don't know. To me, there's like nothing more asinine than speculating on the awards chances of a movie based on how many of the other awards that it won. People try to turn too much shit into sports, mm. which is funny because people who analyze sports aren't really even that good at it. Right. <laughs> I, I do think, though, that those horses are going to win an Oscar. Uh, I mean... Has a, has a horse ever been nominated? I don't think that they have as much moxie as the horse from War Horse. Well, War Horse is a great horse. <laughs> Guess who's yeah. making hay this award season? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'll do, War Horse. Even, even like the bad reviews are kind of... 12 Strong is content to be a third-rate action movie, wasting its talented cast in a well-intentioned but ultimately lackadaisical... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure really? the Well-intentioned. <laughs> sure. The Jerry Bruckheimer movie about... Yeah, I'm sure... This was... Very well intentioned, Hasbara. Yeah, uh, it's bad. They're bad. The reviews are bad. Suffice it to say, I was reading the, like the pull quotes from these reviews, and it was like making my eye, my eyelid twitch. Yeah, no, no. I mean, since you're a kid, it's like most people just don't really do their homework. So, <laughs> what did you think? Did you think the movie was a fresh tomato oh, or a rotten tomato? Here's here's the one from the Hollywood Reporter. It's virtually all Hemsworth's show, and he's entirely up to the task of carrying the film on his broad shoulders. God, mm. stop. He's charismatic, fearless, confident, and jokey, and a good old Kentucky boy who just wants to get the job done. <laughs> By the way, Chris Hemsworth has the worst American accent, like one of the worst American accents in Hollywood. Does and, he? and the whole movie is him barking orders and like, all right, boys, we're going to go out there and kick ass. <laughs> like he's doing like this weird, oh, it's just bad. It's real bad. So what happens at the end? Do we get out of uh, oh, Afghanistan? They, they, they fuck the horse. They fuck the horse? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell a gangbang. <laughs> All right. I'm de- well, guys. <laughs> it never said nay. Yeah. Oh, nay means nay. Hold on one more. 12 Strong knows it has an interesting story to tell with a unique perspective. And it tells it with a collection of talented actors and some legitimately gripping action. The unique, the unique fucking perspective of U.S. troops in Afghanistan. What the fuck's the unique? Pers- <laughs> that they're on horses. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you see, fuck, it's like uh, it's like when they had the they had to beat Lisa Simpson's uh, new uh, the doll by introducing Melody Stacy with a hat. Well, like, yeah, they're troops, but they're on horses. <laughs> well, you see the war from a different angle when you're on the back of a horse. <laughs> That's literally a different perspective. It's definitely the first film ever to uh, mythologize big, strong special forces soldiers. Mm-hmm. First, Our horses. First one. First one. All right, guys. You want to put this thing to bed? Well, yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. I think we all did great. Oh, fantastic. Give, your, give, yeah, your, give yourselves a round of applause. Mm-hmm. I will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I'm nice. doing spirit fingers right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing just, spirit cooking. I'm doing the fucking <laughs> talon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Lieb, that is. You yeah, wanna, you want to take this? Take us on. Absolutely, uh, Matt Chrisman. Thanks so much for uh, joining us on our broadcast. Thank you guys for having me. It was great. Yeah, anything you want to plug? Uh, well, if you are in New York, I will be debating gaming uh, with my co-host Virtual Texas uh, at the Bell House on Friday. Oh, fuck. I wanted to talk about that because all of my co-hosts also recently became gamers. Fuck and I feel, yeah, bro. And I feel like... Uh, Left out? Like a fucking loser? I just feel like they're closing in on me. Well... Yeah, no, it's bad. Gaming is bad. Don't do it. That's my thesis. Game, That's what I'll be arguing. Uh, my thesis is gaming is good and it's only for men. And I think... <laughs> It's a very important thesis. Um, cool. So there's that, Joey. Yes. I This Friday, if you're in San Francisco, mm-hmm. I will be at the Alamo Draft House for Sketchfest. Fuck yeah. Also, Pier 69 podcasts on iTunes. Cool. Say hi. Cool. Hey, you catch me on the broadcast, you guys. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Filmdrug.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Vince, what is the uh, Google voice? 415-275-0030. Yeah. Patreon.com slash broadcast. Yeah. And uh, email us, broadcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, good night and good chins. <laughs>